This is the Philly Experience Podcast, back with you for another episode. Tyre Hood, Tanner Gamar, and I'm your host, Max Gretzel. Great to be back with everybody. Hopefully, everybody's still safe, still healthy, as we got a lot to dive into this week. Touch on the Eagles, Sixers, and Flyers. Now they're back in action, so we obviously have a lot to get to. We want to kick it off with the Eagles and touch on Doug Peterson being fired after five seasons. We didn't really see this coming, at least I didn't. Obviously, he could have been fired the first day after the season was over they really dragged this out so um a bit of a surprise earlier on but for me personally guys this is pretty not a shock but i'm a little bit surprised but what about you so um i'm shocked at the timing more or less i'm not shocked that they you know fired doug peterson i'm shocked at the timing because it's like you said you typically you know teams would fire a head coach if they're looking to fire him pretty much after, you know, the last regular season game. And that sounds like what I thought would happen. But after the press conference with him and Howie Roseman, I'm thinking to myself, oh, okay, so at least Doug Peterson is going to come back. And then a report comes out that says, well, you know, Jeffrey Lord, the owner of the team, he's not satisfied with the fact that, you know, of Doug Peterson's plan going into the off season. And one of the things that he was unsatisfied with, at least that's the, the main thing I'm hearing is that he wasn't satisfied with the coaches that he was going to use to replace, you know, um, and put in to replace uh, Jim Swartz and to, you know, hire an offensive coordinator. It was reported that he wanted to make quarterbacks coach press Taylor, all right, in the offensive coordinator, and he wanted to hire a defensive line, the defensive line coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, which we all said that, you know, they really underperformed this year and make him the defensive coordinator instead, you know, of bringing some outside guys to kind of help him out and to kind of bring in, like, you know, just, just something, something a little new, something like a, a different mindset. You know, he wanted to keep with the same guys. He just wanted to promote from within, and I guess Jeffrey Lurie just just wasn't having it and, you know, he didn't like, you know, his selection. So now here we are, you know, we're behind the eight ball and, you know, Urban Meyer now he's currently the head. He now is the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Robert Saleh, he is now the coach of the New York Jets. So we're already behind the eight ball in terms of coaching candidates. But, you know, here we are. So now we're looking for a new head coach. Yeah, you know what I got from this is I think Jeffrey Lurie, thinks that he knows more than he actually does. He thinks that he can do um, he can do more jobs than he actually – he's the owner of the team, and w- what he says goes, um, unfortunately, if you like it or not. Because that guy doesn't um, know what the hell he's maybe, doing. He, he's, uh, he's giving himself too much. He thinks that he knows what's best for this team. Maybe he should leave that to – Doug Peterson was the coach. He was the coach here during the Super Bowl. We all know. We all have seen the pictures uh, the past few days after he's fired. We all remember these the glory days of Doug Peterson just, just a few years ago. But I wasn't surprised by the firing, but I'm surprised that we're still talking about Howie Roseman and how he's still uh, the GM of this team. I understand his relationship with Jeffrey Lurie, and they're tight, and it, this might end up being dangerous. Um, these two have a relationship um, – that I, I think could could hurt this team because they don't Jeffrey Lurie doesn't want to he didn't want to fire Doug Peterson either they're friends but he definitely does not want to fire Howie Roseman and I think that we're going to go into another football season with the same problems yeah yeah I agree with that I think 
you know, you hope that those two at the top of this organization don't really sink this team. But yeah, it's kind of kind of like stupid. a hand in hand going forward with his organization, and that's going to be a big problem. Uh, but overall, now that we have some coaches off the market and we started this process late because we fired Peterson so late uh, into the off, not so late, but later than other teams in, into the off season, we're kind of behind the eight ball here, and we really have narrowed down. I don't know if we narrowed down our coaching staff to a, a few uh, candidates. But the point is, a lot of the candidates are kind of slipping off the table, finding new jobs and other homes. Uh, there isn't too many options left on the table. Is there anybody that you guys would like to see step up and be the head coach? So um, and I've, I've been clamoring for this guy for the longest of times. And I, I honestly, I think it's time. You guys kind of, you guys kind of, you know, poo-pooed me about my selection, but that I feel a certain way about this guy. I think. Wait that- a second, T. Before you say the name, I just want to bring to it that I brought his name up first before you. But go ahead. That's not. True. I hear you. All right, that's not. Uh, whatever. We'll get to the point. All right. So my guy is Deuce Staley. All right, running back coach for the Philadelphia Eagles currently. Look. Man, he's been through about three offenses, all right? He's been a running back coach under Andy Reid. He's, he's been a running back coach under um, Chip Kelly, and he was the running back coach under Doug Peterson. And, look, he's seen three different offenses, basically, all right? If there's anybody who can scheme up an offense, it's Deuce Staley. If it's anybody who can be a, um, a leader of men, it's Deuce Staley. As a matter of fact, he even got a, a shiny endorsement from Malcolm Jenkins on Twitter. So um, that's my candidate. I beat that. <laughs> Yeah, I saw, you know, the other people that are up for the spot. I'm not impressed with the names. Kellen Moore. Uh, I don't want anyone that was a part of the Cowboys to be in charge of this. No, no, Um, no. no. Kellen Moore can stay right where he's at. I think it would be most likely do Staley's job. Uh, He should be the front runner for it. I know he's not right now. I think he's third, maybe second. Mm -hmm. Um, But that I would I would be okay with that. This is these are going to be years. Uh, the next few years, I think the Eagles are going to have maybe a bit of an off off season, but I think Deuce Staley would be the guy for the job. Yeah, me personally, you know, you look at guys like Eric Bieniemy who still haven't had a job or still don't have a job yet, and you know, going into this off season, he was a big name on the market that people thought uh, was going to you know be gone pretty quickly. And this off season goes and finding a new home as a head coach, but uh, he's still on the market. I wouldn't see that he's my first choice, but I, I think my decision would come down to the the person that we picked to be the head coach is probably going to have to fix Carson Wentz because if Doug Peterson was going to roll with Carson Wentz, I still think he would be the head coach. But I think somewhere in that along that meeting that they had, Doug Peterson said that he was going to keep Jalen Hurts as the starting quarterback because you know there obviously so many reports came out the relationship was fractured there with Doug and Carson. But I think the guy for me is going to have to be somebody that fix that fixes Carson Wentz. Now, me personally, I kind of wanted that Robert Sala from you know, from. The, D- the D.C. from San Fran now, he's in New York. But I thought maybe switch things up, have a defensive-minded coach, and I like what they did. They went out, went out and hired Mike LaFleur, the younger brother of Matt LaFleur, coach of Green Bay. And, you know, he's that young and up-and-coming offensive guru, uh, kind of like a young Sean McVay type of offensive play caller. So they really have that style, defensive mind, the enthusiastic, uh, you know, Rob Sala on the sidelines as the head coach to really strip that defense that's been a problem in New York. And then they had the offensive young-minded uh, Michael Ford to take over, whether it be Justin Fields or Sam Darnold, that remains to be seen. So I like the hire by the Jets. I th- that's the guy I really wanted, to be honest with you. But now that he's taken, there's other names floated out there like Joe Brady. So I guess the main thing here is find a guy that can fix Carson Wentz because I know a lot of people in this town are 
off the Wentz wagon completely, but I'm not one of those people. I still think that, you know, his career can be rejuvenated and I don't a hundred percent buy into Jalen hurts. And I don't hundred percent buy into Jalen hurts and giving him the range just to see, you know, a lot of people have said, Oh, he's only played four games. I give him some time. He has the potential, but I don't even want to give that time. You know, I get it. He, I'm not saying he's a bad football player, but I just feel like you put, you invested in Carson Wentz, you pay the guy the money, you know, he's had a couple off seasons and I'll go back to 2019, you know, we weren't great that season. You know, he had a hot stretch, you know, of games with the last four that we won and snuck in the back door of the playoffs. So let's just not pinpoint last season or this past season as how bad he's been. He, he's been poor previously, um, but not to this level that we saw this last season. So I still think there's opportunity for him to get better and get back on track. Will he be that 2017 Carson again? Probably not. But uh, the fact that you invested in him hundred percent, you're going to have to find somebody uh, to, you know, one, make good play calls, which Doug didn't do, but also just unlock him and get him back on track. So I don't know if, T, you have a specific offensive-minded guy uh, besides your own pick as head coach, but is there any other option that you're hearing uh, offensive-minded? I know Joe Brady was one of them. He was the head coach of Joe Burrow at LSU, the one season where they went to the national championship and won. So any name that you think, maybe if it's not the guy that you want personally, where, where Jeffrey Lurie's head's at and maybe how he's head's at as far as finding somebody to fix Carson. So, yeah, I heard about Joe Brady. Um, one of the big names that I've, that I've been hearing, um, they kind of think I've heard reporters starting to shut this name down. But once again, they shut down Chip Kelly at first, but then Chip Kelly ended up being hired by us. So, you know, the guy I'm thinking about and that's been circulating and that would make a very interesting uh, head coach is Lincoln Riley who is the current head coach of the Oklahoma of the Oklahoma um Oklahoma, Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah, Oklahoma Sooners. So, you know, it that would be an interesting hire from the from the aspect of that's where Jalen Hurts come from. Let, let let's just play devil's advocate for a minute here. Like it, it's it's it would be crazy if somehow some way they get Lincoln Riley out of college. And then you know, now we're now we're really in the middle of a quarterback competition because of the, what coach wouldn't want to, you know, um, you know, lean towards his former his former protege, his former player? So, you know, it, that's one of the things you know to kind of look out for. I'm not I'm not going to completely dismiss the fact that he's not going to be around, but you know, that, I don't see him leaving Oklahoma. I just don't. I, I would lean more towards Deuce. It, would, but I would really raise eyebrows if they somehow someone get Lincoln Riley out of the college ranks. Yeah, I can't see that happening. And I was looking at the list of candidates and this one, this name made me laugh because I saw there was about 12 names on this list and they were doing, I think it was the Vegas odds. Um, and Nick Saban was at the bottom of that list. I think it was plus 2200 odds uh, that he would be the head coach of the Eagles. Yeah, that's I, that's, I don't find that likely yeah, at no, all. It's just something that I thought was very interesting, but funny. And back to the Carson Wentz and the Wentz wagon. Now I'm still involved with that wagon I, I might be off the wagon but on the sled attached to it because i still think carson Wentz can of course play football mm -hmm. um i think there's a lot of quarterbacks that have an off year and they bounce back and we have yet to see maybe some progress we saw he digressed from that that 2019 season max was talking about but i do think carson can bounce back whether it's with the eagles or not we'll have to see i still think i go back and forth with this because Sometimes T says it, so I have to say something else. Uh, but but I do think that there's there's going to be a quarterback competition. 
um, going into this season so far. I mean, Carson Wentz is still a member of this Eagles team, so that's that's something. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I agree. I think uh, maybe I'm a little bit of more of a you know Wentz lover than most people, but I appreciate that you're still a part of the wagon, even if it's not on it. <laughs> even if you're attached, it's dragging to it. me along. It's dragging me along. I will say, okay, that, I, I respect it. I will say this, you guys, because um, real quick, my uncle, you know, he's chiming in. Shout out to Uncle G. He, he says something that was very interesting, and I and I got to bring this up. He said salary cap quarterback situation and personnel is a big issue as to who would be willing to coach this team. And that's an excellent issue because here's the thing. Whoever comes in, they have a heck of a rebuild to have to go right. through. And that's the one thing that we have to also understand. We're probably not going to get – we're probably not going to get the best guy in the world because, like I said, and like my uncle just said – he, whoever's going to have to come in here, they got a lot to clean up. All right. You, like I said, like you said, you got a horrible, horrible cap situation. You're in the midst of a, a quarterback controversy in which you really don't know who you need to start, who's going to be better for your franchise or not. All right. That quarterback has no receivers. That quarterback has an aging offensive line. That quarterback, I mean, that team, this team now really doesn't have a really good uh, solid defense. So it it's going to take some years to rebuild this team. Whoever... Whoever really is going to be the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, they, they're in it for the long haul. That's all I have to say. Yeah, see, that's a good take by your uncle. I want to add on to that because I think now this is kind of arguing with, with me thinking Deuce could be the head coach. I think that the Eagles are going to want to take in a young guy to be the head coach because this young guy, he's not familiar with it. He's going to kind of step back. He's not going to be in control. And we know that the, the head coach of the Eagles is not going to be in full control. We saw it with Doug Peterson. Uh, he couldn't say in the press conference who he was going with quarterback until he got approval. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this guy coming in, he, he is going to have to deal with the drama of Carson and Jalen, but it's really probably not going to be even his decision. It's going to be Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie's decision. And so those two guys are going to want a quarter, or a head coach, excuse me, that is going to listen to them. That's true. I agree. I think one thing that you also have to point out is, like, like you just mentioned, the power, which I think you bring up a good point, Tanner. Like, how much power will the head coach have? We saw Doug Peterson said, you know, he was being told what to do a lot of the time. He didn't really have a lot of say, especially a rumor came out recently about on game day decisions and people who are active and inactive. He didn't have a say in that. That was Howie Roseman who would actually tell Doug who's going to play today and who's not, and who's going to be on the active roster, which is pretty crazy and mind boggling to me. But uh, overall, if I had to pick a guy, I, I'm pretty interested in Ryan day. I think he's a good coach from Ohio state, um, went to the national championship game against Alabama and lost, but you know, obviously played probably the best college football team to ever, you know, step on the field. Personally, I think he's a great coach. He's also been in this organization previously before he went to the college ranks. So I think he'd be a good coach. I think, you know, he's good with player development. He's been around the younger kids in college, obviously, who are going to be coming up to the NFL. Um, Coach Justin Fields and some great players in a short time there. Uh, Also, you know, being a part of a winning program there. I think it's been great for you know, college football this year. I know a lot of people aren't on the board with it. They think, you know, only two or three powerhouse teams and then the rest are, you know, really not worthy of being in the final four, which is understandable, but there's been a couple of names like T mentioned Lincoln Riley. And uh, yeah, I just want to throw Ryan Day's name out there. I think he's a good candidate. I would like to see him because I, I think him being the Eagles head coach, you know, he would bring an offensive mind to the team. And I think he had a good leadership and he's also been under, uh, the tutelage of Urban Meyer there for a little bit as well, who just got a head coaching job in the NFL. That could help Ryan Day's case to have a head coaching job in the NFL as well. So, guys, I also want to flip it over to the Sixers here. 
and touch on their season and how great it's been so far. I know it's been, been some ups and downs. Um, but I, the, the first thing I want to bring up before we even dive into all this stuff, uh, because I know it was a quick Eagles segment today, um, is Tobias Harris and just want to pinpoint him. I know he's missed a week of playing time, but beforehand and, and even that last game against the Miami Heat, he just looks locked in. It's like a different Tobias Harris that we have seen uh, in previous seasons, specifically shooting the basketball. He's been great from beyond the arc, which we haven't seen previously in a Sixer uniform. And just being more aggressive, we see him getting in the high post around the elbow, uh, face up, whether it be pull-up jumper, whether it be a drive, dunk, you know, little things like that um, to really help this team and push them forward. Being the third guy on this team especially and picking up the slack for Ben Simmons, who's pretty, pretty inconsistent. He's had his games. He'll, put the, he'll stuff the stat sheet with the numbers. But really as a leader and as a lead-by-example and a producer on the court, um, there's only been a few times this season where he actually had like a, like a wow, like an eye-popping type of game. So what's your thoughts early on on Tobias Harris? Do you think it's a Doc Rivers thing, maybe Doc Rivers being a new coach, or do you think he's just found something different in his game? I think it's a, it's a little bit of both. Um, we we could have assumed, we did assume in the offseason that Tobias was going to have a better year because Doc Rivers was in town as the coach. Uh, you go back to his Clipper days. But I think maybe Tobias, he's – he obviously he worked in the off season. He wanted to get better. He heard all the talk about him, and I believe he mentioned it in in a, in a few Twitter, uh, in a few tweets over the off season that he he needs to get better. He hasn't been playing how he how we even paid him to play, um, and he's stepping up his game. And I think the team around him helps too. You got especially the two guys that that did come back yesterday. Or there was three guys. It was Tobias and Shake that that came back as well. Uh Shake had a great game um yesterday and he he played great. Tobias he he's stepping back into it. You mentioned he he did have that standout game. He was player of the week too and I think he he's finding himself more with a better cast around him. And yeah, I can yeah, I can definitely get with that. Um Tobias Harris, well, we kind of crapped on Tobias Harris in the beginning of the season, let's be honest. Yeah, like we, but he, he we, deserved it. Yeah, he deserved oh, it. oh, rightfully so. We was we man, we was trashing Tobias Harris, but man, he has definitely stepped up for us. He has definitely stepped up to the plate. Joel and B has stepped up as well. I just need I need Ben Simmons to step up for me, man. I I, I need Ben like this this should have this little trade scare should have been kind of sort of a wake up call because I feel like you know Ben you're so talented all right you have everything that an NBA an average NBA player would want you got the size you got the speed you got the passing ability heck you can you can half ass and play defense play half ass defense if you wanted to and would still be successful but yet and still you you continue to not want to develop your game you continue to not want to develop your jump shot you continue to be a liability in the passing game i mean in the um in the open court you you don't want to get fouled at the line because you're a horrible free throw shooter like these are the things that i, I in order for this philadelphia 76 team to take the next step is they have to make a decision on ben simmons it i'm excited to- i'm a, i just want to cut right in there t i'm excited for ben simmons uh now that the trade went through with the brooklyn nets and it was talks with simmons going to to the rockets i think obviously all eyes have to be on ben simmons now and seeing how he can play got you You have ben simmons he's boosting up in maturity i like seeing that too a few days ago maybe a week ago now he said and i quote i don't think we're close to where we want to be so we definitely have uh another level 
So I like I like hearing that out of Ben Simmons. He's supposed to be the leader of this team. Now it does seem like Joel Embiid's the leader of this team, but Joel has his own things. With um, he's been stepping back from social media, but Joel shows it on the court. And I see what he's saying. He needs Ben Simmons needs to show it on the court as well. And we were discussing mm. maybe problems if Ben Simmons and Joel can't play together on the court. And I think it's the opposite. I think they only can play together great on the court. And it shows I think their their net rating is now plus 18.6 uh, this season. Wow. Now, real quick, before we continue to start, we have our second phone call on the Philly Experience podcast. Now, I'm going to introduce this guy because – Man, we we shared the gridiron together. This was my bo- this is my boy from high school. We played football together. Man, it, whenever I want to really talk football, and I kind of want to just just go off completely off the rails, I talk to this man, ladies and gentlemen, James from North Philly. I appreciate you calling in, boy. Hey, no problem, bro. What's going on, guys? What's happening, man? How, How you doing, doing? James? Uh, not much, man. I'm doing good. I honestly, I, I'm really excited to do this. Uh, I admire what you guys do, like a lot. Appreciate. Tyre uh, put you guys on. He talks about you guys really highly. And anybody he's willing to rock with, or something that he feels this close to him, I appreciate y'all guys more for just doing it and being able to like uplift him as well as him uplifting y'all. Like I think it's dope. <laughs> I like that. I like that mindset. What you got to talk about today? We'll touch on the Eagles, Sixers, whatever you got. So, one, I wanted to tell you that tidbit he was talking about just now with the Sixers was phenomenal because I've never been one of those people that was under the notion. I can't talk about the Eagles first, but I just wanted to say that notion that you said about the Sixers is very real. I think they can only play great together. I think if you separate these two superstar talents, you, you're – derailing their careers in a way. That doesn't mean that they won't be great, mm-hmm. but they won't reach the level of powerful stardom, I believe, that they can achieve if they're together. I just don't think that they had the right coach. And that's not saying Brett Brown's a bad coach, but he didn't make his best players account. And that's true. Right. And yeah, I completely agree. Uh, these two, they got something special, and they they both know it too, and they just want to show the world what they have, and they don't want to hear these guys doubting them because they know what they they know what they can do together, and they they want to go to that finals, and they want to win one for the city. Oh yeah, absolutely. They and I think they know what winning one for the city would do, just like when the Eagles did. But I just wanted to say that. But I did call and talk about the Eagles. As me and Tyre said, uh, as Tyre said, we talked about this the other day. We did. I originally had very mixed feelings. Doug was fired. Mm-hmm. Being someone that worked, I worked through Airmark specifically for that organization. I met Carson Wentz. I've met a lot of different players that were from our 2017 roster and managed to, you know, develop relationships with these people. Like, mm-hmm. great guys. Truly great guys, not just because they play football, great people. So, before I say any of this, I'm going to say that Carson Wentz has winners intangibles. Okay. And having conversation with this person has winners intangibles, has heart. Here's my problem. If you have a coach Mm -hmm. that can take somebody that has had a subpar, I use that term subpar, very accurately, subpar career, I'm talking about Nick Foles, if he can make him a Super Bowl champion and coach that team in that manner, 
that this has to be on your quarterback. <laughs> it's Personally, that's a great point. You know, I, I don't think we've ever talked about that because we look back on Nick yeah. Foles being able to lead this team and win. Oh, no, uh, no, 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 no. I'm going to tell you exactly how it went down, y'all. I'm going to tell y'all exactly how it went oh, down. Here we go. Y'all Jay. fought me tooth and nail and always kept saying, oh, Nick Foles this, Nick Foles that. T, Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. T, they put a statue of Nick Foles in front of the stadium. Let me tell you wait, something. Wait, wait. I'm not even bashing it. <laughs> That's all great because you fool gazy on that because Nick Foles is that bull when he's wearing a Philadelphia Eagles jersey. That's exactly. the, but that's the Let thing that though. Also be noted. But that's the, that's true. But that's the thing though. That's the whole thing though. Like if you're going to be that ball, you got to be that dude outside of any uniform that you everywhere. Exactly. Like you can't just be that dude in one uniform. You got to be that dude whether you with the Chicago Bears, whether you with the Jacksonville Jaguars. You can't pick and choose true. when you want to be that dude. The Rams, yeah, yes. anywhere. Well, I can't even count the Rams because Jefferson's quarterback. Uh, killer. About we the, know yeah, that. We've yeah. seen that. Yeah. Don't know how old y'all are, but I know if y'all know who Jeff Fisher is. He's oh, they know who Jeff Fisher is. <laughs> Unfortunately, we do. So know. Look, yeah. <laughs> just, I yeah, appreciate that. Add on your point, James. Uh, you were talking about it has to be Carson Wentz. Uh, Doug Peterson <laughs> led this rookie quarterback Jalen Hurts to beat the Saints, and the Saints are a good Bro. team. They're in the playoffs right now. We see that. Bro. So that just adds more to your point. Yeah. Real quick, James, At before we let you go, what do you time. think? Jalen Hurts next year or Carson Wentz at the helm? I think quarterback battle. See, I, okay, so you're saying they take it in the camp. It has to go in the camp. Okay. As somebody that's played this game, what he's already said on wax and has not refuted, he hasn't gone against anything that's been reported. Yeah, that's a good point. I would make him battle that rookie. I'd make him battle him in camp. I'll purposefully tell him, if you don't sit, I'll let you decrease your trade value. I'll make sure you never play another football game in any other city unless you back up. That's it, man. And well, I, we paid you one hundred. Honestly, I'm, I'm excited million to see that happen. Yes. Uh, but the quarterback competition. You I personally don't think cr- Carson has as much fire in him as Jalen Hurts does on the competitive side. We've seen how he acts. With You're right. Bad- <laughs> You're right. I mean, sadly. Right now, that is the narrative. I don't right now think he, again, he has winners and tangibles. His mm-hmm. talent level is top five. But if you as a quarterback Well, James, I appreciate you joining us today. Heart. Call back anytime. I love your passion. I love your enthusiasm. We love it. Um, as a second caller ever in the Phil Experience podcast, congrats to you. I appreciate you calling in. And, guys, I think you no brought problem. up a good point there. Obviously, everybody who tunes in here wants to talk about the, the quarterback controversy with Jalen Hurts, with Carson Wentz. Um, personally, I like Carson Wentz. Other people like Jalen Hurts. Others like James, Tanner, yourself, want to see a quarterback competition in camp. And, you know, honestly, the way things are going, the only thing I, I wouldn't be shocked that this would happen. You know, I wouldn't be shocked that we go into camp and we have – you know, a quarterback battle, quarterback controversy continue. And that's something that's a problem. And that even relates to the head coaching position. Who wants to come in here as a head coach and deal with little cap space, a quarterback controversy, um, yeah. you know, things like that. It's so much, you know, turmoil in the locker room. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's not a good thing. It's not. Yeah, ideal the, team is divided. the team is divided and it's, and it's yeah. not even the controversy aspect. It's the fact of the matter that there should be a battle as a player. I'm not – even if I didn't like it, 
I'm going to prove to you why you paid me that money. That's my competitive spirit, period. I don't care if I'm hurt. I'm going to prove to you why you paid me that money. And I say Jalen Hurts is bad because Jalen Hurts should never been drafted in the second round. That's a completely separate thing. That was a steal. That's the only good thing how he's done in the last 10 years to me. Bro, I definitely, bro, we could definitely get into this, man, all day. I'm going to be, yo, man, after the show is over, I'm going to hit you up. We're going to talk about this some more between us. But, yo, man. Oh, yeah. I'm, what's up with, yeah, what's up with my daughter this place? Oh, yeah. What's up about this <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man, kiss my niece, Doc. No, don't be torturing her, man. Kiss my niece, man. Tell her I'm going to come see her. All right, Doc. Absolutely. Appreciate absolutely. the call in, Y'all dude. have a great night, man. All right, man. I appreciate being able to have the time. Take care. Man, T, you got some passionate friends. Your dog going right, I do. That's the only type it. of company I keep. <laughs> Your dog going right. I love it. Oh, man, now, those, those conversations. Let's get, back, let's get back to these Sixers real fast because <laughs> I think one thing that's kind of been a blessing in disguise is the COVID situation. And uh, I mean that in a way because Tyrese Maxey, you know, was getting a ton of playing time and we get to really see him shine. Not that he wouldn't have gotten a decent chunk of, you know, playing time off the bench if this was a normal season with no COVID and Seth Curry out. But, you know, be, coming in here, you know, dropping 39 against the Nuggets in a loss, but, you know, just being able to see his full skill set on showing, uh, you know, obviously he's taken over the reins as probably the seventh guy off of this bench. Personally, him and Shake have been great. They were both in trade rumors with James Harden. Luckily that saga has come to yeah, James Harden's going to Brooklyn. Um, and I like Tanner brings up a good point. Maybe that clears the head of Ben Simmons, but also maybe Ben Simmons takes it the other way and thinks, wow, these guys want to trade me. I don't want to be here long-term. Now he's said everything the right way in the media recently that he's come out and he, you know, he's been a professional about the whole situation. Yeah. He knows it's a business. Um, but, but what's your opinion on, on, on this going forward? See, well, I saw a report that just, I think it was yesterday that it came out. Ben Simmons was ecstatic that he was not traded. He loves the Sixers and he wants to show, like I said, the city, what he can do and he needs to be better. He knows that he needs to be better and he, he should be hitting the, uh, the gym. I'm sure he is. Um, and he's going to be better player. I know T, uh, talk about that, that jump shot and, and all that stuff, but I do think Ben Simmons can be one of the best players in this league. Uh, he definitely can be defensive player of the year. Uh, his defense is great. Last year he was in the running for it. So I'm just excited to see what motivation this puts on Ben Simmons. But my thing is this though, it, it's just, uh, if this, if this rumor didn't light a fire up under Ben Simmons. And I don't think anything will. I'm going to be honest with you boys, because I look at it like this, man, he is just way too talented to not utilize the full extent of this. If the natural skill set that he has, forget the things that he can work on the natural things that he has that I talked about earlier. And I, it is, it, it, it infuriates me when it's one thing that's holding you back. And it's that one thing that you refuse to address. It's that one thing that you refuse to work on. And listen, man, it, it, if you think I really care about the cobwebs in your head, then dude, you, you got another thing coming. Listen, I, we are in the city of Philadelphia. We are in a top five sports market. My job as the general manager is to put the best product that I can out there. And guess what? If you're not the best product, then guess what? You can go and get out of here. I'll find somebody else straight up. What's he here for? Thank you, Tanner. What's he here for? I, what I need you for i i can find somebody else as a matter of fact he is just a taller rajon rondo i said it yes i said it he is a taller rajon rondo except the batteries i'll trust rajon rondo more at the free throw line and making a jump shot than i will do ben simmons that's just my personal Max, opinion i do believe you can mute t's mic <laughs> 
uh, to continue from the him pairing Rondo and Ben. Oh, man. Quit yucking my yum. I haven't heard anything like that. Man, whatever. That, that's a first for me. That's a first for me. But I'm being one's honest, like though. a foot taller than the other, but we're not <laughs> I said, You did say shorter or taller. <laughs> Thank you. I did say that, but that's just my personal opinion. Because... I don't know if, I don't know if, if Rajon Rondo, even in his prime with the Celtics, had enough athleticism to keep up with Ben Simmons. But, hey, that's besides the point. The key here is Ben Simmons is fifth on the team in points. He's averaging 12 a game. I need more out of him. I think we can all agree with that. He's been, you know, turning the ball over, making some poor decisions. And it's not going to show up in, in the stat line. You know, if you look at the box score at the end of the game, you see, uh, you know, 12, 12, and 11. Yeah, fine. All right, you got the triple-double. But if you watch the game, you know, he's clogging the lane still, guys. He, right. he is. If you if you watch the game, so he's down low on the baseline too much. And Embiid's still, in my opinion, around the perimeter uh, too much as well. But here's the I'm thing. Like, Embiid is knocking down those threes this, this year at a higher rate. Yeah. And I think that's why we haven't really – you know, or why we've glossed over the fact and that's crazy that because Ben Simmons is a set or Joel Embiid is a, sen- a center and he's yeah. knocking down these threes in clutch time too. at yeah, the end of that first heat game. Uh, that was just, it was an incredible, um, the comeback in OT. Uh, yep. They they should have been winning the, the entire game. Uh, the Sixers do have a better team than the, uh, than the heat did the extra players from their bench, but that was a fun game to watch, and Ben uh, Joel Embiid took over forty-five points, I believe. Yeah. Do you think Tyrese, or excuse me, not Tyrese Maxey, Isaiah Joe will get more playing time when Furkan's back, or do you think like he's earned a bigger spot on this team because they kind of play the same role? They both lack it on the defensive end, but they can both shoot it. Um, I don't know what Isaiah Joe's ceiling is defensively. I know for a fact Furkan's not that good of a defender, but I, I don't know what Tyrese. I think that's why Isaiah Joe gets the edge. Uh, with minutes because he still has that potential to be become a serviceable defender. Hey, yo, man, when Court Mites is off, man, Court Mites is off. I mean, he looks like a straight-up scrub when he's off. So I would always go over to the one whoever has the hot hand. If Joe's the one who has the hot hand, all right, I'm going to play Joe. And if Court Mites is having a hot hand, then guess what? He's going to want to get the more minutes. So that's just my personal opinion. It, like Another guy here that we haven't mentioned is Mike Scott. I think, you know, he, his time in Philly's coming to an end soon. I just don't know if uh, he really deserves any minutes the way he's been playing. I know he was injured for a little while, ridiculous. but he's, he's on the court more than often than I really thought. Maybe that's because we're missing a few guys still due to COVID. But Mike Scott, not that he's a big role player on this team, but I don't know. It's a guy that's been around and somehow he's gotten, you know, he snuck through the weeds and remained on this roster <laughs> wow. through, uh, thick and thin. Doggone, um, Max. You know, listen, he's had his days in a six-week uniform. Don't get me wrong. He's had his moments. Do we know it's hard. The hive, the whole bit, you know, yeah, on social you, media. But. You better watch out what you say about Mike Scott because the hive's going to come after you. Mike Scott, yeah. 22 minutes in that Hawks game. He got two points. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know Doc Rivers didn't want to play him when we were at limited amount of players. Uh, I was that, that was the Nuggets game. But – He's still dressed because we did need those eight players. That's the I want mid-play. winners. And let's just go into more about how Adam Silver did not postpone those games. And I, am I know so he wanted to go on a rant here. Does Adam Silver hate the Sixers? He he got to it. What what what? We, he got a personal vendetta against the Philadelphia 76ers. How is it that you know other teams like the Boston Celtics and teams like that they're allowed to take games off when they don't have enough players, but yet and still we had to go to our G League, all right, to play against the Atlanta Hawks and in th- games like that, and we just got basically got a, a statement that basically said, "Oh well, tough, you know what." 
that no, that's not yeah. cool. If you're going to, the if, thing for me was, you know, that that Brooklyn Nets loss was a legit loss. You know, we we didn't play well that night, and even though they didn't have Kyrie or KD, uh, we just didn't play well. We didn't deserve the win. That that's understandable. But the thing that got bothered me was that Nuggets game. You know, we legitimately trust an injured player, and you know, we had to play. And the Nuggets are a good team now. The Hawks game, I don't care about as much because I know for a fact we're better than them at full strength. So we'll see those guys down the road having to fly to Atlanta, not having Ben or, you know, Seth and those guys. We had Joel, but, you know, he can only do so much. So the Hawks coming out of that game, not they were cocky about it, but, you know, beating us by, you know, 12, 13, whatever it was. And then, you know, you look at the look at the box score and it's like, wow, we lost the Hawks by – you know, 12, but put an asterisk against that. I'm not worried about that. But the, the Nuggets game did get under my skin a little bit. And it, it, that Nets game is concerning, Max. Uh, I mentioned how they're it's an outrage team before the trade deadline. Um, and that's got now the Nets add James Harden. Of course, th- they get rid of Jared Allen, their only really defensive player. Yeah, uh, it's going to be more of an offensive, offensive team. Uh, we'll get into that trade a little later after this point, but that Nets loss is concerning considering no KD or Kyrie. Um, That's yeah, true. I agree. I think Jared Allen is a big loss for them defensively. Yeah. Now you have to deal with DeAndre Jordan. I mean, Joel, Joel Embiid will, 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 will probably have a field day in the paint against DeAndre Jordan. At this point in his career, not you know disrespecting what DeAndre Jordan has done in this league, but at this point in his career, you know, having a lot more minutes now probably than what he wants to with Jared Allen gone, uh, but he's now in there just – to get the rebounds from the three stars if they miss a shot here and there, which probably they won't because, you know, Kyrie, we well, have seen I was about him, to say consistency throughout his career. I was about to say, make that two stars. Let's be honest here. Kyrie. Okay. <laughs> See, hold on, but here, hold on. You know, he's had some injuries in Cleveland. We've seen his, we've seen his injuries and his drama play out in, in Boston. But, you know, to open up this season back when, you know, Kevin Durant had a COVID stretch there and he wasn't playing. This is a guy that that has re- resurrected himself in Brooklyn. It looks like he's back to being a top three point guard in the league. Mm. Yeah, yeah. When he yeah when he's playing and when he feels like playing, it, that's the thing though. Like he that, he got caught out there partying and whatnot and yeah. doing what he no, wanted I, to do. Basically, I agree with taking, you one hundred percent. He was taking days he, off. He, he's been in the in the media for the wrong reasons lately, um, and he's expected to be back actually this weekend Saturday, um, and he'll be back. In a Brooklyn Net uniform, so I hear you. you Nets fans out there, congrats! Yeah, I mean, that's that locker room is going to be challenging too. Uh, you yeah, I agree. James Harden at the club, and now Kyrie. I believe his problem was that he was going to birthday parties without masks. Yes. That's Either. the thing. Oh no! Yeah, that's the thing. Like Ka- Kawhi and Paul George, you know, running the show, dictating practice right. schedules and things like that. That's that could be the same thing. And those younger guys, those role players in Brooklyn, they probably won't appreciate that. The thing is, it, it's going to be KD who's going to be the leader of this team. He's a guy that's shown he he wants to win that that championship. That's yep. why he went to the Warriors. All right, he was fine taking a lesser role, but Kyrie. He went to the Celtics because he wanted to be that guy. It didn't work out for him, yep. so he went to the Nets with KD. Um, and now you add James Harden, who just couldn't get it done. Uh, he said to the Houston fan that he, the fans that he tried the most he could, but he really, he really didn't. Or they, they'd have won the finals. Yeah, they got it. They got him everything he asked for. They got him Dwight Howard. He didn't like it. They exactly. got him Chris Paul. He didn't like it. They got him uh, Russell Westbrook. He didn't like it. He Russell just... Westbrook, who's a guy that he was playing basketball when they were like ten. Yep. yep. Didn't work out. Yeah, uh, and and then that just goes to show you. Is it is it a James Harden issue, uh, and, it, and it probably is. Is it a James Harden it's issue? Is this? It's definitely not a skill set issue. 
Uh, but it has to be. It's not a team issue. It's it's probably a James Harden issue. But we'll see. Right. Yeah. We'll see if these three superstars can get along. And one one note before we continue here, Joel Embiid, he's not going to get on the plane to today or to tomorrow even to to travel to Memphis, and he won't be there against the Grizzlies. He also won't be on the plane to Oklahoma City. So he's going to miss oh, no! this weekend, uh, probably due to rest. You know, we had we 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 play five games in seven days this week. It's a lot. Um, you know, that's another thing we have to think about. He's played a lot of minutes. He's averaging 31 minutes a game. Doc Rivers likes to run him more in the first quarter. You know, he gets down there to about the three-minute mark left in the first quarter, and then he gets this taken out where we've bullshit. seen Brett Brown take him out, you know, seven-minute mark, for example. You know, he took him out much earlier. So you love to see him get that run. I think we can all agree that he looks like his stamina is back. You know, he, he looks better shape. Um, you know, but we, we're going to have to rely on Dwight Howard this weekend. We're going to have to rely on Vincent Poirier maybe more than we, we would like to. Tony Bradley as well. So it remains to be seen. But oh, man, I think that's the, the key this year is the depth. You know, with Danny Green on and off. He's hot and cold. You know, he had a great game the other night. Um, I think he played 50 minutes, which was crazy, um, even though he's, he's 33, which he's getting up there in age. You know, you don't expect that. I don't think Doc Rivers wanted to play him that much. But, you know, he's shorthanded on the bench. Um, Seth Curry, when he comes back, you know, he was lighting it up, leading the league in three-point percentage. I'm sticking with this team. I think there's a lot of depth here, and I still think this could be a conference finals team. Yeah, I got a breaking news real quick, guys. This Uh-oh. is a team we didn't talk about today, the Phillies. Uh, they offered Real Muto a $100 million uh, offer uh, just a few minutes ago, so we'll see how that goes. I know that's the biggest topic in Philadelphia yeah. for the Phillies. As it should be. I agree. Yeah, 100%. They also signed Archie Bradley uh, the other yep. night. They one year, $6 million. He's had a closing experience and also late inning relief experience. Eight not saying he's going to be our go-to closer, but he's looking like he could be possibly our go-to guy now that we signed him. Jose Alfardo, or Alvardo, who we got a couple weeks back, you know, from the Tampa Bay Rays. He is a flamethrower. He's a lefty coming out of the bullpen. He's dealt with some injuries. So, listen, overall, our average fastball um, from our relievers last year was about 93 miles an hour. We didn't have anybody who averaged over 94 miles an hour. Uh, the guy, the two guys I just mentioned throw about 96, 95 miles an hour. So, those guys' fastballs should be able to get some swing and misses, should be able to get some strikeouts. But it's key going into this offseason. Again, the Phillies is a sneaky topic as we move forward through their offseason in the spring training. It's a down topic right now because of the fact that everybody else in the division looks like they're stacking up and stacking themselves and, you know, their farm systems are great. So Not the Marlins, uh, though, which is surprising. Not the Marlins. Yeah. But the Marlins were sneaky last year and went to the playoffs. Yeah. You know, so give them definitely give them credit. At least we ain't got to deal with this guy. Crap-ass Vargas. At least we ain't got to deal with him no more. Uh, he's long gone. Too. <laughs> Before we wrap up the basketball Stop. conversation, let's get more into that trade with Houston and the Nets and the Cavs yeah. and what the Pacers too. All right, yeah, Pacers okay, Tanner. Yep. I know your head was spinning when the trade went down. Somehow, some way, you were able to keep up with all the details. So let, let's get the deets real quick. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll bring it up again. But who? While I bring the details up, who to you guys won the Nets or the Rockets? I say the Rockets only because the Rockets got more assets in return and the Rockets are still like that sneaky team that can stay, stay, that can still stay competitive in the NBA, especially in that Western conference. So I'm not going to say that they're going to make the playoffs this year, but I feel as though they, that they do have assets and pieces in place to be able to, to pull off another trade for a superstar. Yeah. I like that too. I like that point you make there. I think they do have the assets now. I mean, the thing that, that bothers me with the Rockets is they have an aging John Wall. How long will he stay healthy and play at a high level? I'm not too sure. They do get Oladipo, and they, they were able to flip Karis LeVert, who was also having a great season. Um, he, he played great in the bubble. 
and he also played well uh, early on this season. So now he's going to get flipped to Indiana, and mm-hmm. Victor Oladipo is now going to be in a Rocket uniform, which is going to be kind of weird. Um, but overall, I think the, I would probably lean towards the Brooklyn Nets winning this trade just because they get a top five player in the league. Um, it is going to be finals or bust, maybe even championship or bust for the Brooklyn Nets this year. But to be able to get that three-headed monster there in Brooklyn was, you know, their goal. Obviously, they accomplished that, but they did give up a lot of draft compensation. But another thing, DeMarcus Cousins, how much does he have left in the tank? You know, Christian Wood, P.J. Tucker, there's names. But, you know, P.J. Tucker, again, another guy up there in age, how many years does he have left? Eric Gordon, who's kind of been a forgotten guy there, you know, one of the better three-point shooters in the league. I'm just not 100% sold on the Rockets. I need to see more out of them. Um, and, again, they, they got their headache out of the locker room. They got their elephant in the room gone. So we'll see how they gel together as the season goes on. In long term, I think the Rockets won this won this deal with you. Yeah, know, you could argue, yeah long term, you could argue, it, yeah, of course. Let's yeah. go just in the players. Uh, aside from the picks, I believe the, the, the Nets got a second-round 22 pick. Maybe mm-hmm. I think um, they got a yeah. I, I don't know if it, how many was it three or four first rounders. I know that yeah, that it was three. three. It was three, three first, three first rounders, rounders. Twenty two, twenty four, twenty six. Okay. Um, and so the Nets obviously James Harden, Pacers, Chris Levert, second rounder, Cavs, Jared Allen, and Prince. So yeah, there's, Tarn and Prince. Of course, there's always adjustments in these trades going at further when they they figure out the picks and everything like that. But yeah, I'm sticking with what I said. The the Rockets they get rid of like Max said a locker room problem. Um, Oladipo he gets in there, and this is going to be an exciting team. Uh, they're not going to be you know how they were with James Harden at right. first. There's going to be some adjustments, but this is exciting for the Rockets too. They're definitely must-see TV. And for me, is how many games are these three actually going to be playing together? Kyrie Irving decides to just disappear in the middle of the season. How many games will he be out? How many games will, will KD be out through the load management? We haven't seen that yet, but you know Steve Nash is probably going to want to rest him uh, more often than not. So my thing is, how many games are these guys actually going to physically be on the court and play together? Because I'm not so sure you're going to see all three of these guys out there every single night. Yeah, uh, at least until later in the season or even the playoffs. Yeah, little, it's yeah, finals little. or bust for this Nets team at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I, they they I have agree. to be a lock for the finals. They, they don't have to win the finals, but they have to be a lock to go there. Listen, uh, unless Kyrie – I'm sorry, but unless Kyrie is there to really complete this team, I don't see them going to the finals, so this is just my attitude. I'm here to tell you right now, we don't care. You know, Giannis and the Bucks, you know, they're still there. The Celtics, are, for some reason, always give the Sixers right. fits, but I still think you put the Sixers' name up there in the top top yeah. four top three teams definitely. T, let me ask you this who's a better trio who has a better trio in the nba mm, that's a good question that is a that is a good question there, there's no answer because it, the nets they, yeah. they have the best trio right now on paper and you're right we'll have to see if Kyrie plays but Kyrie's not going to be the decider uh like i said it's going to be kd and it's going to be how james harden is going to play with these guys in brooklyn and is he going to take more of a, a step back approach in taking a break from social media and all that stuff since he got what he wanted finally yeah my prediction is that these guys maybe they they play here and there together i really don't expect them barring injury to to play a lot of games together on the court i just feel like there's be games where you'll you'll Kyrie won't play for whatever reason you'll see james harden and kevin durant both drop in like 30 40 points whatever it may right. be and i think that's one thing that's really going to hurt them as they go into the playoffs is they won't really have like an identity like like who the go-to guy I is think, right i don't think they're going to be blowing out other teams we mentioned their no. defense with 
Jared Allen now gone. Size, and he, was the yeah. guy that, he was the headline of the defense. He was the guy that everyone was talking about uh, blocking guys over at the rim. And, and this is, you know, an offensive team. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. And we'll see that they don't have a lot of size inside. It's going to be a lot of shooters, Joe Harris, even Landry Shamit coming off the bench, Timothy Luau Cabarro. They still have their next six or so. We'll see. They're definitely the favorite in the East. They probably have to be considering all that firepower, but don't count the Sixers out. I just want us to get healthy. That's a key here as we move through this next week and into next week's episode. Just yes. get healthy, and hopefully we see Seth Curry back as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Now we want to roll on to the Flyers here. Touch on us, guys. Bear with us. We're trying to get into this Flyers team. <laughs> Quit yucking my yum. This year. Last year, we got into it in the playoffs, but this year we're kind of rolling with it. We're taking it game by game, and we're really trying to deep dive and give, give everybody some, some good analysis, you know, not just stake – you know, facts and player names, but really give you a deeper analysis. So this is, this is our first shot at it after the first game of the season against the Penguins. So guys, let's touch on it. Let's give, let's give the audience as, as much as we can here with the Flyers. And obviously a six, three victory is great to open up the season at home against the Pittsburgh Penguins, our biggest rival. Um, first of all, we scored six goals, but we scored six goals from six different players, which is what you love to see. So what, what are your first thoughts? We're going to open the floor here and try to give some good analysis on this team. First off, we can't continue with this conversation without mentioning Joel Farabee, uh, four-point performance. Yep. Um, this team's exciting to watch already. Uh, and it was also great to see them finally take advantage of the, of the power play. Uh, that's been a, it's been a problem for the Flyers, the power point play, and they were able to do that. It's 6-3, it's, that was a great first game, of course, against the Penguins, and we're set to uh, puck drop soon for, yep. for their second game. All right, well, straight up, here's my thought. Nobody cares about hockey, Max. No, 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 but I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. In all seriousness, <laughs> in all seriousness, that I like the fact that they fought. All right, they were behind in that Penguins game, and they fought yeah. back. That part I do love. And I love the fact that, you know, they rotate their guys, and they have um, certain certain lineups for, you know, whatever the Penguins, you know, we're going, we're going in with. And that for that, for me, just from a sports, um, just from a, a, a sports view, like for me, I'm very encouraged by that because that shows that, you know, this Flyers team has depth. You know, they're not going to stick with, you know, one or two lines. You know, they're going to rotate, you know, three, four, five, six lines up in there, you know, depending on the personnel that they're going up against. And I think that's what's going to, you know, take them the distance. Yeah. Uh, listen, Carter Hart, 31 saves out of 34 shot attempts. Uh, you know, he wasn't, you know, hot, in the, at least in the first period, right? Obviously, the, the Penguins jumped out there uh, to that early lead, but, but able to regroup. And, and he had a, a, a solid second period and a solid third period overall for the most part. Um, I want to pinpoint here, Nolan Patrick, finally back on the ice, first time since April of 2019, dealing with those migraines, kind of like a Percy Harvin situation back earlier in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was able to overcome that, get back on the ice. It's also great to see Oscar Lindblom back out there for a full season. For me, this team has a perfect combination of veteran players and, and the youth that, that's up and coming. Getting Patrick back was huge. And, and, and you have Giroux, who, who, who's a key guy, always was for this team, you know, having to see, you know, on his chest. But, you know, he took some heat last year, didn't have his best season, statistically speaking. And, and this year, we look to him to continue to get back to his old natural ways of, of playing good hockey. He doesn't have to be that, that superstar like he used to be in his career because they have guys that pick up the slack like Kevin Hayes, Travis Konechny. The list goes on and on, and Sean Couturier as well. I was just um, about to ask you stay that. Healthy. I was just about to ask you that due to the fact that I know Claude Giroux used to catch a lot of heat for not scoring a lot. So, you know, do we have – now with all these players that we have around Claude Giroux, do we necessarily have to rely on Claude Giroux to be that guy anymore? That's my whole thing. That's my question. 
I don't. I wouldn't say that you have to rely on them to, to be your go-to score because you have, like Tanner mentioned, Joel Farabee having three assists mm-hmm. and, a, and a goal the other night against Pittsburgh, um, which is super impressive. And you know, he's he's a first-round draft pick and a guy you expect to come up and, and be productive almost immediately. Kevin Hayes, our centers are great. You go Couturier and and Giroux and Hayes. That's a three-headed monster from your center standpoint. Um, and then your wingers are awesome. You know, Raffle and Borchek is a guy who struggled. He didn't have an assist. He didn't have a goal the other night against Pittsburgh. Um, still a veteran guy, but but you know he's going to be a key player. He's he has been. He's been an assistant on, on this team. He's got the A on his patch or, or on his chest. So um, look for him to pick up the pace here and continue. Because the thing with this team is the depth. Almost like the Sixers, that this had this team has depth, and that's one thing that's going to have to carry them. Uh, even though it's not a full 82 game season, um, and, and we're playing. Uh, a lot of tough opponents, just based on the fact that they're all in conference, guy, in conference teams and in division teams in the East. Um, you know, we're not going to be flying out West Coast this this season because of COVID, um, and and our division. You know, with with you know the Islanders, the Penguins, the Rangers, the list goes on and on. You're going to be playing a lot of good teams in a short period of time. And that's it. You know, that's definitely a good thing to add on. I just had that question because, you know, like I said, Claude Giroux has caught some heat over these years yep. and, you know, about being the captain and him taking accountability and things of that nature, especially, you know, for a period of time when the Flyers weren't really, really scoring a lot and we were having uh, um, some issues with 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 our goalie situation, which now has been sealed up, of yeah. course, with Carter That's Hart. That's the thing, too. So. That's the thing. The goalie situation has been huge for us, finding that guy in Carter Hart, also a solid backup in Brian Elliott. And I think this year, because of the fact that last year, we I always wanted to build from the goalie forward. You know, I always mm-hmm. told Chris when, when I would see him, you know, you want to have the goalie, you know, secured. That's the most important thing on the hockey team. And then I like to build forward. I want to have good defensemen. You know, we'll, we'll worry about the shooters, you know, eventually and the scores eventually but if you don't have a good defense you're, you're putting too much pressure on your goalie and that's what we like to have guys like justin braun and you know eric gusterson robert hag i mean we just like tanner pointed out um you know weeks ago signing phil myers to that long-term extension and locking him up uh they didn't really show up in the stat sheet as far as the goals and assists but just playing solid defense deflecting shots checking guys into the boards you know turning the puck over and forcing turnovers in order to get a push uh, and a rush down the ice and get the the scores and the wingers on the outside because that's one thing that I thought we struggled with last year. We didn't have that that offensive firepower to be able to you know put up six goals and listen, we scored them in bunches the other night. You know, yeah, two did. goals in a matter of a minute, um, specifically um, at one point in that hockey game. So being able to put up six in the first game, not saying that's going to happen every single night, but just to have that capability. Um, and it's not like it was all shorthanded, like on the power play. Some of it was, some of it wasn't. It wasn't like we got a cheap empty netter at the end of the game or anything like right. that. This is strictly playing five-on-five hockey for the most part and beating our opponent. Yeah, yeah. and one story I'm going to follow closely is Travis Connect and going scoreless in that playoffs. He, he- he was the, the leading scorer in the season and the playoffs came and he had a drought. So he played his 300th game uh, during that day opening Flyers game the other day. And I'm curious to see how he's going to – he's got a chip on his shoulder. So yeah. it's going to be a story to watch. Before we wrap this up, we got to talk to you on their schedule this year, playing two two games against the same team back-to-back days. Or not back-to-back days, but – Two teams in a row would be a two-game series, basically. Uh, we have four straight at home to open up the season. Two against the Penguins, not back-to-back, but they they a break in between. Um, and then we have the Buffalo Sabres, and then we have the Bruins, and then that's on the road, and then we have the Devils. So, listen, the Bruins, another team that I didn't even mention earlier on. That's another team you always have to look out for. The Washington Capitals, another team that you have. This is the thing. It's going to be so tough, and, and you're playing a lot of opponents 
uh, in the short period of time, which I mentioned previously. But I think uh, this the way the NHL did it, I'll give them credit. I think it's it's awesome. I, I like the fact that you're playing the same team twice. Um, the, the Sixers kind of did that with Miami. Um, I like I, I just like I, I know it's not every single game that the Sixers are doing it. They're not playing the same opponent twice um, consistently. But I, I, I like the fact that they're kind of keeping the NHL teams, um, you know, relatively close geographically speaking. So with that being said, guys, great episode today. Love wrapping it up. Tanner, if you want to add one more point in there real quick before we, before we wrap it up. What? No, I was, that makes the playoffs more interesting, too, because you have them going into teams that they haven't played yet. Uh, yeah, 100 percent agree. Because once that happens, then you you expand out. You know, got to play teams down south yeah. and things like that, of course. And then obviously, you know, wrap things up with a West versus East opponent. So um, hopefully, we're the Eastern Conference, you know, team in that standpoint down the road. Um, but we have a lot, a lot of hockey to play. So guys, we're diving into it. This is going to be a lot. We're going to give you now. Can't too much based off of one game, T. But uh, you know, we're giving it our best shot here without Chris. Wrong with it. Um, shout out to Chris. You hopefully piece of Swiss cheese. Healthy, hopefully he's safe. So, um, you know, first hockey segment that we try to dive into. And uh, we'll give you guys uh, some good analysis. We, we promise that moving forward. Chris, we need you back because I'm, I'm struggling with this hockey stuff. I ain't even going front. All right. Go to first. Exactly. <laughs> I like, I like. You guys missed any of this episode. You can always go to Philly Dash Experience. DowSimpleCast.com. We are available. All major downloadable platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, YouTube, the entire Shabazz, and listen, y'all. Let's can we just come together once again? Why? Why are we starting twenty twenty one off going crazy? What is wrong with y'all? Seriously, can we can we go through a year and where we don't have a whole you know historical event? Please, I would like to go through one normal year. All right, just one. Can I get one normal year, please? Especially after twenty twenty. Please, that's all I'm asking. Is that too much to ask, fellas? That's all I'm asking for. We got our ass kicked. In my opinion, that's shocking. Yeah, Skip Bayless can kick rocks. He's not your cup of tea. I ain't scared of Nick Foles. I'm not. I'm sick of this.